On the 10th of March, 2005, the leader of the secretive German colony located in southern Chile was arrested in Argentina. His warrant states he is being arrested in violation of human rights. Schaefer, heard laughing as he was wheeled into the courthouse today, was also indicted on charges of sexually abusing 26 children in Colonia Dignidad. While these charges were the most serious ones he faced, he was actually arrested on a warrant in connection with the disappearance of a dissident during the 1973-1990 dictatorship of General Augusto Pinochet. After being extradited to Chile, he was sentenced to 33 years in prison for sexually abusing children. But questions still hang over much of what happened in the secretive cult. How many Chileans are buried in the fields of Colonia Dignidad? News excerpt taken from AP News and a Washington Post article by Kyle Swenson. This is Monstras. and welcome to another episode of Monstras, a podcast dedicated to Latin American and Latinx horror, folklore, history, and all weird things. Today, we will be talking about Colonia Dignidad. Ooh, I know. I'm so excited for this episode pick. because it has true crime. It has cults. It has a lot of just generally weird stuff. Um, so, you know, it's going to be fun and depressing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And this is another episode that's inspired by the class that I taught um, last semester, this semester that just ended, where I had my poor students watch the movie La Casa Lobo or Wolf House. Um, so if, if you want to hear me rant about that movie, go to our Patreon for Monstras uh, After Dark. So do you want to explain what Monstras After Dark is? Yes. So... Monsters After Dark is our new Patreon exclusive podcast. So we envisioned it as almost like a conversation you would have about weird things around, you know, a campfire, at a bar, or at home with friends. They're supposed to be shorter episodes about the same topics you love, horror, folklore, and monsters. Yeah, we also switch it off. So like in each episode, different a different person does the takes the lead. So for example, for the episode on Casa Lobo, I took the lead and Brenda had no idea uh, what it was about. So it's always like yeah. a fun surprise for us as well. Only one person knows what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I was baffled by that movie. <laughs> but if you guys want to hear more, definitely subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, we would love to have you on there. So without further ado, let's actually dive into the history and the basic foundation of this very sordid tale that I'm very excited to explore with everyone today. Oh, so the history. So our story begins in Germany. Paul Schaefer, our most beautiful, wonderful future cult leader. <laughs> Maybe I'd love to hear that. that. Yeah, I know. He, he'd love to hear it. Um, he was born in 1921 in uh, Troisdorf, Germany. Seems like he had a really 
unremarkable childhood. They were relatively poor growing up, and there isn't much information out there about him as a kid other than he other than he lost his right eye in a fork accident. <laughs> what kind no, of I shouldn't accident? laugh because a child lost their eye. Um, but that's no. all I all the information I could find was that it was a fork accident. What? <laughs> so what? I don't understand how he okay, whatever. He's a future cult leader, so I guess he has he's gotta have some weird, a weird quirk. Yeah. So during his youth, he was part of Hitler Youth, uh, which is not great. Mm-hmm. And once once we, he was actually older, uh, and once you know the Second World War started, he served as a medic for the Nazis. Again, there's very little no little known information about his time as a medic. What we do know is that post-war he moved back home and tried really hard to distance himself from the Nazis. Well, that's interesting. I mean, at least he's trying to redeem himself, I guess. I don't know. Well, it was mostly because he didn't want to be tried for crimes because a lot of um, like upper up higher ups in the Nazi movement were being tried for crimes against humanity and genocide. So he was like, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> that was another man. That yeah. was another Schaefer. I don't, I don't that was know. Another Paul Schaefer with a glass eye. That was not me. <laughs> So then, so in trying to distance himself from, I guess, uh, being tried for crimes, uh, crime times that he did, uh, slowly he actually began to fashion himself and transform himself into a traveling Baptist preacher, inspired in large part by William Braun Ham. And we'll talk about him in more detail later in the episode. So let's fast forward to 1957. Um, where Schaefer and his friend Hugo Barr created an orphanage to help children victim who were victims of the war. This didn't last very long <laughs> because in 1959, Schaefer had to go on the run after being accused of sexually abusing more than 30 kids. Fantastic. He's great. a great guy. Great guy. He's such a great guy. Wow. <laughs> he escaped to Belgium and there contacted the Chilean, Chilean embassy. Chile was one of the hubs where ex-Nazis fled to at the end of the war. Uh, and that was in addition to Argentina. So Argentina is really the one that I always think of when I think of Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> That's so mean, poor Argentinians. So when I think of Nazis, <laughs> I think of you, Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I think of Nazis fleeing, okay? Yeah. Fair. <laughs> I think of Argentina, but I didn't actually realize that Chile was another place that people fled to also, or Nazis fled to. Yeah, I didn't realize that either, but that's where the story, you know, because sh- we do Latin America and Latinx, so that's where the story gets into our territory uh, when they go to Chile. Um, and a lot of the history that we're getting from the is from the article La Tenebrosa Colonia Dignidad de Paul Schaefer, Juicio por Violencias Sexuales y Derechos Humanos Enfrenta Ex Nazi en Chile. So um, the horrible uh, uh, dignity colony of Paul Schaefer um, hearing for sexual abuse and violation of uh, human rights um, confronted by ex-Nazi in Chile. That was so hard to translate. (laughs) That was really hard to translate. It is, it is a very long 
title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this is an article that came out in 2005, around the time where he was finally arrested and tried. So um, kind of keep that in mind. This is in 2005. This is a great article. Uh, and it has a great timeline of Schaefer. But our story goes back way further. Um, so he left Belgium for Chile in 1961. So he got to Chile in 1961. Um not before submitting and getting his plan approved. So he proposed to form in Chile a Sociedad Educacional y Benefactora Dignidad or an Educational and Benevolence of Social Dignity organization. That was his proposal. Um, oh how, or, I don't know, how, how, how would you translate it? I think that that's close-ish. That is the closest that I could think of. Sociedad Educacional y Benefactora dignidad yeah like an educational and benefit and yeah benevolent society social dignity or something organization yeah yeah it's basically like it's got the words in the beginning the beginnings of his cult <laughs> exactly. it, it's a really nice title that sounds like they're doing good stuff but it's not specific enough so you know they don't they're not doing good stuff yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we know he's not doing good stuff because in the proposal, he stated that the group would create an orphanage for orphans that were victims of the 1960 earthquake. So we already know oh what happened gosh. with his previous orphanage. He is just like whatever disaster is in the area. He's like, yep, we're, <laughs> we're going to create an orphanage for that one disaster. Like what? <laughs> exactly. And I guess Chile doesn't do background checks in 1960. Because his a proposal to create a freaking orphanage was approved. And by July 27th of 1961, Schaefer and a few followers made, made their way to Chile, where they bought about 37,000 acres um, around the city of Parral in central Chile. And that's where they built Colonia Dignidad. So it's a, it's a huge piece of land that they got. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of land. Mm-hmm. And they got it really cheap. I can't remember one of the documentaries I watched talked about how little they paid, but it was it was just a ridiculous amount that they got because supposedly they were going to help uh, people there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so once the colony got going, it had about 280 members that came with him from Europe, not just Germany, too, like other places in Europe. Um, and Schaefer was the de facto leader uh, although they named ex-pilot of the Third Reich, Hermann Schmidt, as the president of the group. So again, oh, that's not, not, not another good sign. <laughs> not another good sign. Not another. He's importing so many Nazis. Out of the 280, I wonder if they were all just Nazis. Well, so that's the, like, it, yeah, it's hard to know. I imagine some of them were, at least the adults, but they, they brought children with them, too. Um, oh. yeah. And, and the community was kind of really loved at the beginning because they had really modern technology, um, that would keep people out and I guess in too. So they had like motion detectors, alarms and armed guards at the gates wow. of Colonia Dignidad. And again, the question is why the hell would you need all that if you're helping people? Right. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> it's pretty bad it, I mean you know you're in a cult when it's like oh look at how protected this compound is and it's like well is it protecting you against 
outside forces or within? Like, is it keeping you in? Exactly. And um, they also had a super modern hospital. It was the most modern in the region. So people from the neighborhoods outside of Colonia de Unidad would go to that hospital too. And they set themselves up to be really modest, really self-reliant. So they they did agricultural work. And the idea for the cult members was that they were going to live off the land and be... um, almost like a religious kind of organization um so it became this really weird self-sustaining german community in chile and i say that because they continue to speak german they celebrated their holidays and customs and we're really not a part of a chilean community except for a few things that we'll talk about um in a minute oh god so (laughs) It just goes downhill from all like it just the story just keeps going downhill. Um, yeah. So it seems like a real it seems really picturesque and pastoral, you know, this compound. But Schaefer was really a cruel leader of his community, which surprise, surprise. Right. Yeah. Like it's not. Oh, wow. The ex-Nazis cruel. <laughs> mm. So he was inspired, as I said earlier, by William Mar- Marion uh, Branham. Branham was an American Christian minister and faith healer who initiated the post-World War II healing revival and claimed to be a prophet with the anointing of Elijah, who had come to herald Christ's second coming. His followers have been labeled as a doomsday cult. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Yeah, so he's one of the first like doomsday cult leaders because of that belief that the world's coming to an end. So they kind of have to do stuff to get ready. Um, so think of like, yeah, doomsday prepper shows and stuff like that. That's, oh yeah. this is the guy and that inspired most... Paul Schaefer. Wow. So a lot of, lot of cults have, when I was like, I love cults. So this is really fascinating, but also I know that a lot of cults actually have, uh, what is it called? Doomsday uh leanings even if they're not like super leaning they have some sort of like timeline yeah where it just forces the members to actually like cooperate and have keep it in mind and yeah it's i mean it's just another symptom of a cult and it's super smart cult oh it's super smart technique because then you're dependent on your leader right he's the one that's telling you the world is ending he's the one that knows how to save you right? When everything yeah. else falls apart. So of course you're going to trust him. And it's usually a yeah. him. Cult leaders are usually yeah. men. So yes, usually it is men. Uh, it's nice to see women, you know, getting into the game, uh, yeah. but, <laughs> but it's also pretty bad. <laughs> this is not the game we want to get into. Let's be honest. Yeah, here. exactly. Uh, so anyways, Branham had been traveling and holding revival meetings since at least 1940 before attracting national attention. Branham's uh, popularity began to grow following the 1942 meetings in Milltown, Indiana, where it was reported that a young girl had been healed of ah, tuberculosis. Oh my God, how can (laughs) I not say that word? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, TB. So the news news of the reported healing was slow to spread, but, but was eventually reported to a family in Missouri who in 1945 invited Branham 
to pray for their child who was suffering from a similar illness. Branham then reported that the child recovered after his prayers. I'm sure it did. I'm sure. So many lies, but yes. <laughs> Go on. Ah, so it's like all these preachers are the same. So in nine, in January 1950, a photograph of Branham was developed and a light appeared in the negative above his head in a halo-like form. Rather than seeking a technical explanation, which would have made more sense, yeah. his supporters regard the phenomenon as supernatural. They say the light is a supernatural entity and claim that this is the only supernatural being ever photographed, which tell that to all the ghost hunting shows, okay? (laughs) (laughs) They would be insulted. How dare you? They would be really insulted. So when, when Branham himself was informed about the photograph, he expressed no surprise. He said that before the photo was taken, he heard the pillar of fire descend into the building with a sound of rushing wind. Oh my God, what a bullshitter. But also kudos to him for taking <laughs> for taking advantage immediately. No question. Not even, he did not miss a beat. Yeah, I, I would, if someone told me you have a halo in the photograph, I would be surprised. I don't think I could have kept a straight face, but he was just... He was ready for it. He said, no, I'm just, I know that God was talking to me at that time. Duh. (laughs) Duh. So he is wild. So the teachings of William Branham are a bit jumbled and contradictory and difficult to categorize. But some of the most controversial doctrines are as follows. First is modalism as in God exists as only one person, but reveals himself in different modes, baptism in the name of Jesus only, believers baptized using the Trinitarian formula must be re-baptized. So Catholics basically, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, for him, you can't believe in, it's not, um, God isn't split up into three parts. It's just one God. I see. Okay. And then the serpent seed doctrine, as in Eve's sin in the garden was having sex with the snake, which, what? That one's the new one. I know. I'd never heard of that before, but now I want to research more on it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, girl, you get down with a snake. Enjoy. So, Have fun. Yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> whatever floats your boat. Um, and then Anaya, Anahila, Tyonism. Oh my God, that one's a hard word to say. So, as in, hell is not a place of everlasting punishment. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That one's a really interesting one. So, then, word faith is the next one, which is sometimes dubbed as name it and claim it. And the, okay, so which one's, what does the word faith mean? Because that one's a, a bit vague. Sometimes dubbed name it and claim it. So the idea is that if you believe it, so if you watch a lot of like um, preachers that have the TV shows like Joyce Myers, if they name mm. it, it's almost like the secret. If you name it, if you can make it happen. Uh, oh, I see. So it's almost like I'm manifesting my own destiny. Manifesting, or that's the word. That's the word. Yeah. Okay. So they claim that they can do that. Would they, would they believe in God and donating to X church? They, they made something happen. I see. Okay. Okay. 
So then the next idea is the idea that the Zodiac and the Egyptian pyramids are equal to uh, written scripture, which that one's crazy. Um, and then of course, his own exalted place in the plan of God and the history of the church, along with his exaggerated claims to miraculous revelation and healing abilities. Wow. This Brownham is just nuts. Um, was a lot. And I really tried to figure out exactly what he preached about. But that's the thing with preachers like this, like cult leaders, they go back and forth and they change all the time because that's how they keep people invested. So it was hard to have like a real um, understanding of what they believe. Wow. So he he just, I mean, it sounds like he just word vomited a lot of stuff. Yeah, it feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, including the sex with the snake. He's like, yeah. And, um, you know, Eve she uh she just had sex with that snake yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like what that makes total sense okay <laughs> he's never makes seen a vagina abs- before and doesn't no, know how sex works that's what that is <laughs> nope i don't know how she would have had sex with the snake but whatever anyways <laughs> so he also cherry on top thought that the world would end in 1977 and uh well it didn't yeah. <laughs> so because you know, we were born <laughs> in the 80s, so uh, yeah. I'm work. slightly glad he was wrong, but I could actually go either way. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I'm like, born. whatever. <laughs> I, I could have just not been born. That would have been fine with me. Yeah. But back to Schaefer, again, if your inspiration is a doomsday charismatic preacher like Brom, you know you're in for trouble. So this is the guy that inspired him. Plus, Schaefer was also a pedophile, so you have this really, and a Nazi, so you have this great com- combination of factors I mean, really creating this amazing guy. I feel like I couldn't invent a uh, like a, a worse villain. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. someone wrote this guy down as like a fiction, like this is my fictional villain, we would be like, no, this is too, this isn't too, this isn't real. Like, yeah, this is too predictable. You're trying too hard to be a villain. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wow and we'll talk about our another best friend that he had that made it even worse so it's not even we're not even done with Schaefer uh but Schaefer had his followers dress and behave in very strict ways so they were forced to dress in very like traditional Bavarian clothing so oh my god very like traditional German clothing and residents of the colony including the kids were forced to work long days without pay of course and were not allowed to leave the compound. So he was not a nice guy to the people he brought from Europe. He was, you know, strict with them in in Europe, and he was even worse when they got to Chile. Um, Which makes sense. Got, that's usually what a cult leader does. Is they sep- I mean, that's what Jonestown was. He separate. What is it with cults and going to Latin America? I mean, I guess it's because it's more lax, but still, Jesus Christ, can you keep your weird ass shit out of Latin America and just keep it in Germany? Exactly. Well, and I think, yeah, like less government inter- interference. <laughs> he didn't have a warrant out for his arrest. <laughs> yeah. Multiple Not yet, reasons. at least. <laughs> so he also separated men from women. So there was like a gender division in how they could sleep and interact too. So I was watching a documentary where they talk about it, um, people from the cult, and they mentioned that they they were excited when people would visit and they could ha- have like a co-ed performances or hang out with men because they usually could not. And this was for 
everybody, even kids. Um, so kids were taken away from their parents and then they had to live on, oh. the, on their own. And they have like aunts and uncles, which were family me- or were part of the commune that would take care of them. Oh, this is Scientology. This is another, another, you know, again, another cult just yeah. tactic. It's, I mean, it's a great way to control people because you don't have that connection with your parents. You don't trust your parents and you don't have anybody to rely on. Um, he also forbade any sort of sexual contact unless he allowed it. So he kind of had to allow you to have sex, even with your wife. And he also wow. had, he also kind of guided who could marry who. So he controlled that part of it too. They worked to teach kids to uh, not have bad thoughts, aka sex thoughts. So they would do um, tasing or electrocuting their genital area of like young kids, probably like early teens or tweens. Um, They would do that so that the kids wouldn't have any sexual thoughts. Wow. So this no sex rule did not apply to the higher ups, including Schaefer, who spent his weekends with little boys and young boys, think again, tweens, early teens. This included boys from the colony and also boys from the nearby homes. So Chilean boys too. Um, What he would do is he would make them take collective showers and he would bathe them. um, And people talk about how they wanted to be chosen by Schaefer because that meant that the leader of this community, someone that they thought was, you know, perfect, pretty much chose, saw something special in them and chose them. So some kids, his chosen ones were set up in a small dorm next to his house where boys under 14 were housed to receive their education from the great man himself. And again, parents were excited that this would happen to their kids because the idea is you're in close connection to the ultimate leader and Schaefer was grooming them and, and raping them pretty much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, what a ter- so, so basically the, the, he would tase and electrocute, like, would he oversee them being tased and electrocuted? That wasn't not? clear. I would imagine so. Yeah. I'd imagine that was something that got him off. Why do it if it didn't please him in some sort of way? Yeah. Right. And, and it's, it's terrifying to think too, that the other adults would do it. Oh yeah, that's right. Is it everyone who's doing it? So from what I gathered from reading and document the documentary, it was like a few people that were actually doing that kind of torture that were doing the torture. Oh, wow. Yeah. To everyone else. To um, or- Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so in March of 1966, one of the boys ran away and asked for help. Nobody listened. Um, and he was, the, the case disappeared and the local police officer that had started the, the investigation was fired. So Chilean, I know. So the, the Chilean local police tried to do something, but the higher ups were like, no. Uh, part of the reason was because Schaefer allowed them to like mine and use some of his uh, acres. So he had, mm. he was wealthy, right? He was wealthy. He had a lot of power. And so Chilean politicians said said there had been an abuse of power by the police and that there was nothing irregular going on in the colony. 
Wow. I mean, it's so often with these cults. I mean, this makes sense why they went to Chile, Mm -hmm. like all these Nazis, like, because it was allowed, like the politicians in these countries allow them to operate. And then, and then in this case, they protected him. Exactly. It's ridiculous how, because again, he was arrested in early 2000s and started in 1961. So he was doing this for a really long time. Um, He was scared, though, after the 1966 claim. So after that happened, Schaefer ran away to Argentina for a few years, but the colony continued without him. And after he returned, things got even more depressing, (laughs) if you can imagine that. (laughs) Because he and the colony members started working closely with the dictatorship head Augusto Pinochet and his DINA, or the Dirección de Inteligencia Nacional. This roughly translates to National Intelligence Directive, but it's like the CIA. Um, They're kind of responsible for carrying out kidnappings, torture, murder, and general repression of those that Pinochet considered um, dangerous for Chile. So just like the CIA, let's say. So just, I was going to say, I was like, wait a minute. That's that's something the CIA does anyways. Yeah. So yeah. So Chile and CIA is what, what's happening and they started working with Schaefer if you can believe that wow I just I mean it's it's not it makes sense that Schaefer would be like well let me endear myself to this dictator and I'll do you know because he's going to do whatever he needs to do to protect his access to children exactly yeah that's that's the whole point of the cult is to him to get access to children and have complete control so and the commune seemed like an idyllic, idyllic place from the outside, but it was clearly full of human rights abuses and pedophilia. Like, <laughs> yay. Yeah, look at this founder. So all the bad stuff that was happening in Germany continued in Chile once they were established. So the Germans and a few Chileans that lived in the commune had to follow the rules established by Schaefer. Germans worked like slaves inside fenced and heavily guarded areas. They were given sedatives in order to keep them obedient. And punishments often involved beatings or electroshocks to the head or genitals, as we mentioned before, right? Yeah. So they just really love those electroshocks, man, because that was another form of torture in El Salvador during the Civil War. Really? Yeah, that was another form of torture that they tortured um rebels and like you know the opposing side the side against like the government or whatever mm-hmm. during the civil war so any newborn baby was taken away from its mother and brought up by nurses meanwhile Schaefer, known to his followers as permanent uncle continued his molestation of children of course yeah i know they kept they had to call him like permanent uncle or whatever in german it's it's sick. It's really sick. So Pinochet and the cult. So let's dive into a little bit about Pinochet and um, the role of the Colonia, Colonia Dignidad had in helping this horrible military leader torture and kill Chileans. But before we do that, we did want to add that 5,000 SS officers and other prominent Nazis, including Adolf Eichmann or Dr. Joseph Mengel, Mengele, found a new home in South America after the end of World War II. So Schaefer wasn't the only one, which, yeah, I mean, 
it's it was like Chile, Argentina. Was there any other country that? Probably those are the two major ones that I that I know of. But I imagine, yeah. yeah. I'd be, I, yeah, I'd be, it was Argentina. I know Argentina and it, I knew, but I didn't really know that much about Chile. So there might be another country that we're missing, but those are the only two ones that I could think of. So who was Pinochet? Well, Augusto Pinochet was the leader of the military junta that overthrew the socialist government of President Salvador Allende of Chile on September 11, 1973, which is one of the worst things that I think I think that was a CIA-led coup, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think the CIA did it, which again is one of the worst things that, out of the, all the things the U.S. has done, this is one of the worst ones, at least in uh, in South America specifically. So Pinochet was the head of Chile's military government from 1974 to 1990. During his dictatorial reign, tens of thousands of opponents of his regime were tortured. So Colonia, Colonia Dignidad became a detention and torture center for Pinochet's Dina. The Dina even had a house there at the compound. I'm yeah. sure it had all the snacks, you know. <laughs> you needed to relax after torturing the... and disappearing people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, had to have his tea, you know, su cafecito or whatever. <laughs> so... <laughs> Some of the people that were disappeared by the military at the compound include Alvaro Modesto Vallejos, part of the Movimiento de Izquierda Revolucionaria. Ah, can't say it. Whatever. The engineer Alfredo Rojas was another uh, imprisoned there. The architect Alfonso Rodrigues, Rodriguez and the doctors Carlos Godet and Ivan Insunza and a number of students. According to the lawyer Hugo Gutierrez, there might be about 119 victims from the Operación Colombo that died in 1975 alone. To recap, from 1973 to 1990, Colonia Dignidad served as a torture chamber and place to bury bodies for Pinochet, for the Pinochet dictatorship. At the same time, let's not forget, Schaefer was raping and sexually assaulting little boys and torturing those that lived in the colony. So, wow. So he's really just doing a double whammy and evil. He really is. And one of the reasons that the Chileans went to the Germans was because the Germans, they thought that the Germans would know how to torture because they were Nazis. (laughs) So that was part of the reasoning. And then, and then, yeah, like it works because he has a secret to keep. Pinochet has a secret to keep. So they were just you know, helping each other out as horrible men do, I guess. They and, do. Yeah. And there's no way to know really how many people were tortured or killed there because Pinochet, before he lost power, they dug up the graves that they had there. Yeah. So they so they don't have any archaeological. So what did they do with the bodies or did they just I don't know where they where they sent them to or where they placed them or maybe they're still there but they haven't been found like they placed them somewhere because it's it's a very rural area so there's a lot of like forest and trees and it's hard to know um, but the people from that area haven't or Chile general in general haven't gotten any closure uh, because of that and um, yeah oh, it's sad. that's terrible so. Um, after 1990, Schaefer and Colonia Dignidad 
did not disappear. So Schaefer yeah. was around longer than Pinochet. Um, so beginning in the late 90s, there was an investigation into accusations of abuse, particularly sexual abuse of minor boys, as well as lack of paying taxes. So they didn't even pay taxes. See, this is why cults, this is the downfall of many cults, is taxes. Like mm-hmm. you just got to pay your taxes. If you yeah. want to get away with torture and murder and all that stuff, pay your taxes. Yeah. Taxes are like the big thing. The government's like, we don't care about the human rights abuses. Look at us. We don't yeah. care. But give us our money. Give us our cut. Come on now. Exactly. Um, so when all that was going on, Schaefer disappeared for a bit so that he wouldn't be arrested. And finally, he was charged with 27 accusations of rape, sexual abuse, among other things. And the case was closed in 2002 because they couldn't find this motherfucker. So he disappeared. (laughs) And then the government in Chile in 2002 went, all right, we're done. We tried. Wow. Yeah. Uh, But also, so this is one of the reasons that we're just talking about this. There's very little publicity or very little publicly known about Colonia Dignidad until the early 2000s when this all started to come out. So it really was a big secret. Uh, and Chileans, particularly in the region, knew what was going on. But outside of that, no one really did, except for um, people from the UN and people from the German embassy and people from the Chilean embassy. embassy. So people like in really high up positions had investigated and said there was nothing wrong. Um, and kind of allowed it to keep going on because Germany didn't want to have anything to do with it. Like nobody wanted to take responsibility. Um, of course. Yeah. Uh, so people knew about it. It was just wasn't part of general knowledge befo- beyond officials and beyond like the local community, unfortunately. Um, after Pinochet was gone and Schaefer was arrested um, around 2004, 2005, I think, um, they searched the compound and uncover, uncovered 40,000 files detailing how the colony was used as a detention and torture center. Um, wow. The records, I know. So they didn't find bodies as far as I know, but the records show that at least 112 people were disappeared, quote unquote, in Colonia Dignidad and hundred, hundreds more were detained and tortured there. Wow, just insane. How do you make... T- this is the crazy thing about Latin America is like you can make so many people disappear. Disappearing was just such a huge thing. I mean, again, in the Civil War in El Salvador, that was a huge thing is people mm-hmm. just disappearing. Like my dad would be like, yeah, one day there was a man, you know, standing. He would like un viejito was always like sitting in the corner, uh, just watching, you know, people pass by and stuff. And one day he just disappeared. Yeah. That's what's so sad, that lack of closure in, yeah, El Salvador, Chile, Guatemala, Argentina, Peru. Unfortunately, a lot of Central and South American countries have Mexico. Okay, a lot of Latin American countries have a bad history. Almost all the Latin American countries have a a great tradition of just disappearing people. Yeah. And it's not hard to disappear people because there's such a lush green you know forest area that you can just throw a body into 
and it decays quickly because of the heat and all that stuff. So it's just, of course, you're not going to find 112 people on 38,000 acres of land. Like it's just, it's just nearly impossible. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when the government isn't willing to look for them. It's, yeah. I just, it's insane how the government really, you know, it's a combination also the CIA's blood, you know, these mm-hmm. people's blood is on the CIA's hands also and the U.S.'s hands for what they did and in, in their participation in keeping this colony going. Yeah. So in conclusion, <laughs> it wasn't until finally in 2006 that Schaefer was found guilty for sexually abusing and raping 25 boys and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Five other leaders of Colonia Dignidad were also found guilty of working with Pinochet, which is, I mean, just bananas that it was only five. Yeah, it's crazy. So after Schaefer kind of left the colony and then was arrested, all this stuff came out. The people that lived in the colony have are working to kind of come to terms with it. Uh, half of them moved back to Germany and the rest are still in Colonia Dignidad in Chile so it is still a thing let me tell you this is the wildest part all of it is horrible this is wild (laughs) my god because people are still living there it's called now Villa Baviera and it's a resort where you can go and experience German culture so it's like a hotel a pool horses like the whole thing go have a beer and some pretzel and a pretzel that sort of atmosphere what the hell so they made it into a german disneyland pretty much yeah and the remaining members of the community felt like they they wanted to make the place into something positive like they originally intended it to be um a few of them kind of talk about they thought that they were going to help people and instead they kind of ended up in a cult that killed people and tortured yeah. people it's yeah the opposite they ended up in the opposite <laughs> yeah. So the, the former Colonia Dignidad is now using the charming name of Villa Baviera. That, that's the, there's this documentary called uh, Sinister Sect, Colonia Dignidad on Netflix, where they interview folks that lived and still live there. And they all speak Spanish with a German accent because they didn't integrate, integrate themselves with Chilean society. And they still don't. So yeah, you can go, you can go visit them. and. People have gone. So, I, of course, I looked on like TripAdvisor and other websites of to see course. if there were any I mean, reviews. You had, you had to. I know. Okay. So, this is one of the reviews that I found. And it says, oh, no. um, Should I read it in English or Spanish? Uh, read it in English. Let's, okay. let's see what. <laughs> you just want to see me translate on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, this is one of the recent reviews of what's it called? Villa Baviera. It says, I'm from Parral, which is the neighborhood right uh, next to Colonia Dignidad. I'm from Parral, and I came back after many years. When you come to Baviera, you expect to find uh, German things um, that are related, that they relate themselves with. They talk to people in the dining room or in the when you visit. You want people to talk about their experiences, good or bad, in the Villa. The, the Chilean people that work there uh, don't have a lot of knowledge of the history of the place. So 
one visit to Baviera, because there was Colonia Dignidad. Um, <laughs> so he, the wow. person says, I took a lot of pictures, but I still left with a bad taste in my mouth because I didn't find out enough. They need more German guides that would explain the different installations and places around the villa, like the bakery and the shoe repair shop. So I think this person just wanted all the gossip on how they tortured people and nobody gave it to him. So he was just like, I went to find out all this horrible shit. Why did you not tell me about this horrible shit? Yeah. Where were the Germans? What is he talking? Also, what is he talking about about installations? Like museum installations like that? What I would I would assume that there'd be like some sort of interpretive signage where it was like, you know, here is where so-and-so got his balls electrocuted. You know what I mean? Like it would just have some sort of like that's what I, I think that that's what this person expected. And there was none of that because they're trying to move away from that so hard because people, Chileans are pissed that they're not giving up that land. They're like, you, y'all did these crimes as a community. This land needs to go back to Chile. And they're it not leaving. It does need to go back to Chile. Like, what are you, what, what are these people do? Like, oh my God, that's so, it's just so terrible. Like, oh. It's so frustrating because they should just embrace it and just be like, hey, you know, this is what happened here. I mean, if it went, if the land went back to Chile, I imagine that it would turn, it would be turned into a museum. Like it would just 100%. The only thing that I could see it becoming is some sort of museum plus, you know, a community center. That's the only way to redeem the whole thing you know, is, is something that has to go back to the people, but at the same time, tell the story of what happened on the land so that we don't forget that these fucking pieces of shit Nazis came over and tried to, what they tried to do, yeah. but also not forget the role that Chilean officials played in it. And that's yeah. probably why they keep protecting it because they're like, we don't want that history to show up either. Exactly. It's it's so it's a wild, wild story. It's I highly recommend watching Casa Lobo or listening to our episode on Patreon um, about it because it's a an animated movie inspired by this and inspired by those stories. Because there were a few people that tried to run away and then they realized they had nothing to go to. They either spoke limited Spanish, had no family outside the cold, and ended up going back. So it is really heartbreaking and yeah there's just a lot of moving parts that make this story very different from other cult stories I think yeah I mean it's kind of nuts how crazy this dude was yeah and how he got away with so much stuff for like over 40 years I would say right yeah because he started in the 50s in Germany and it was until 2000 early 2000s that he was arrested was he, is he still alive? Is he in prison? I think he's dead. I should he's know that dying. part. <laughs> After they arrested him, I was like, done. Done. He's in jail. We don't have to think about him anymore. Fuck him. I feel so bad because um, there's a Paul Schaefer. He died in 2010. Oh, okay. There's a Paul yeah, Schaefer there- that used to work with, what's his name? David Letterman. Yeah, isn't there a podcast? I swear to God, I listened to Paul Schaefer's podcast. Really? 
Yeah, I think it, it. Let me double check. It's a different if, fall if this shaper. This is the same fool I'm thinking about. This Paul Schaefer is thankfully dead. Oh, it's Paul Shear. That's who it is. Okay. Mm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of how did this get made, the podcast. But it's Paul Shear, not Paul Schaefer. I just get it confused. It's important to make those clarifications. Yes, I can't accuse this poor man of um, being a Nazi who ran a cult. So, anyways. <laughs> that's it for today's episode thanks everyone for listening if you love what we do please consider joining our patreon to listen to exclusive episodes and any future news or merch we might have wink wink nudge nudge (laughs) and you can also support us by leaving us a review and if you have any monsters creatures or legends you want us to cover let us know you can connect with us on social media at twitter Instagram, or on our website at monstraspodcast.com. So is there anything else you want to say about this episode, Orkidia? I think that's it. I think we've shared plenty for people to digest. There's a lot going on, but we'll see you all next month. Yes. So stay safe. Don't join a cult. And don't don't move to Chile or Argentina with a bunch of Germans. Just saying. Just don't do it. Just don't. All right. Bye. Bye, everyone.